0: right
1: Well, do you want to make a podcast? do you want to make a podcast (laughs) well here we go okay let's do
2: it
3: everybody
1: welcome to marvel by the month this podcast we read a bunch of marvel comics uh this is an omnibus bonus episode to complement our regular weekly episodes we're going to cover all of the december 1969 issues that we could find on marvel unlimited that is still barely functional uh that we did not cover in our main episode with douglas wolk last week my name's brian stratton
3: Mine is Rob Milne.
2: I'm Jamie Wenger. Uh,
1: So, yeah, uh, as usual, our December 1969 issue of Sergeant Fury is not on Marvel Unlimited. Um, Also, I I think we'll get into this more uh, in next week's episode with our special guest who really wants to focus on some of the stuff. But um, there's like some uh, spooky comics coming out now. They are doing some. Some comics that reprint some of their 1950s suspense uh, stories. And there's cowboy comics and there's teen drama comics and teen comedy comics and romance comics and uh, a lot of stuff besides superhero stuff. But uh, we're not going to talk about any of that. We're going to talk about these sweet, (laughs) sweet superhero comics. Uh, We've got seven of them to cover. So, Rob, would you uh, be so kind as to kick us off?
3: Sure. Sure. Let's talk about uh, Captain America number one twenty-three, written by Stan Lee, art by Gene Colan and Joe Sinnott, called Suprema, the deadliest of the species. Spe- speeches.
1: you got it. Ah, got it. Already,
3: right out of the gate, just <laughs> stumble and fall. Um, so uh, this one starts off. We were already commenting on it. It starts off with uh, some weird poses from new villains. Um, called Suprema, uh, and then her uh, henchman, who we later get to find out, his name is Scarbo, of course. He's Scarbo. Really yep. <laughs> they're wearing the villainous colors of um, green and orange, yeah. uh, so they're biting the unicorn's rhymes. Um, I think he's the one who wears it the best, mm-hmm. and by best, I mean it sucks. It's just <laughs> the dumbest <laughs> color combination. <laughs> So I thought they were Hydra straight out of the gate. Me too. Yeah. I did too.
1: Yeah. For the first like four pages, I'm like, so this is a Hydra thing? And nope, it's not.
3: So, uh, Suprema paid a bunch of goons to be an army and they train for months, uh, and they're getting ready for their big plan. Um, one of the henchmen back talks her. She hasn't come up and gives them a karate chop. Um, Jean drew this, what I would call a haughty expression. <laughs> yeah. Um, And it just didn't seem right. That guy would have been more of a sneering, you know, I am not listening to you. I mean, you paid me for months to just do whatever we're doing, but I'm not listening.
1: Um, But now at the pivotal moment, I'm going to sass you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. right. I'm sure
3: they did a bunch of dumb stuff before that. So uh, (laughs) uh, it turns out that uh, Scarbo, the lead henchman, comments that that Suprema is the greatest female black belt karate master of all.
1: Got to get that female in there, huh? Yeah, and, yeah.
3: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I, I'm guessing he's the the, the best male now. Um, <laughs> so then she reveals the big plan, which is to take over every gambling and shakedown operation in town. Um, every big time one, not the small fries. Uh, so people are a little skeptical, but she reveals two powers that she had not revealed yet to her army of paid henchmen. Um, one is witchcraft sure yeah so
1: (laughs) because it's 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 late 60s marvel comics and it's like superheroes are out spooky's in so it's like yeah throw some witchcraft in this let's (laughs) see see if we can get the kids to buy it
2: well not to mention you can't have like a dominant female in control of stuff without
1: using the dark arts to uh, put the the men under her thumb yeah yeah yeah. she's got to use her moon powers
3: (laughs) uh so Uh, But basically her all her witchcraft when it said witchcraft, I was like, oh, we're going to get a bag of sweet tricks. But it was she can make people obey her will. And we'll find out more about that as as the plan unfolds. But uh, and then her second um, amazing power that she reveals is a weird looking box truck with jets on the side (laughs) called the Wolverine jet.
2: Yeah, that's confusing (laughs) for so many reasons, really. Yeah,
3: you picture when somebody says Wolverine jet, I'm sure you picture like either the shiny metal thing or maybe it's yellow with sweet blue stripes on it. It's it's nothing like that. It's the complete and it's like a U-Haul truck with some jets on it, but it's all silver.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I was trying to figure out like what quality of this does it share with a Wolverine? Right. Like it's (laughs) not it's not small. It's not particularly aggressive um it's not Canadian uh, <laughs> like, I mean maybe it's Canadian true but, oh yeah. maybe it's maybe it's made by the same people who make the boots never mind I withdraw my question <laughs> all right we, I we, like we, that you we, went we off on that <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh so yeah
3: the Wolverine jet I just I I I did as you did ponder its origin its name and its point. And, and in fact, when she said, ready the Wolverine jet, and then she gets into this U-Haul truck with a jet on it, I'm like, well, I hope they get to the Wolverine jet pretty soon. <laughs> and like, they didn't. Uh, this, is so. like the tram,
2: this is the tram to get to the Wolverine. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: it's so dumb. So then everyone masks up and they hit a big crime casino. Um, and then just as the boss named Aces orders his henchmen to take them, boys, she tells the boss. You don't mean that. And he just agrees and she's Jedi mind tricked him. So this is her witchcraft. Um, so this happens. They show sort of uh, here and there. They show a montage of them, you know, doing the same thing. And she always waits until she's already made the boss mad <laughs> and he's ordered everyone to attack Her and then then he's like oh you don't Mean that and everyone's like oh he said Exactly what she said he repeated It back to her so we're just gonna assume They were pulling a gag Yeah and it's yeah, fine. it's probably fine
1: she's Got a keen sense of drama
3: yeah <laughs> So then Then we jump over to the uh, Shield barbershop or Under it where we see cap wrestling with Nick Fury as Part of shield training um, and fury and the rest of the agents now have the uh i th- i think it's unfortunate um it's like it reminds me of like Buck Rogers TV show outfits, but it's <laughs> the yeah, say, yeah like, There's a like, lot of chest involved.
1: Um, apparently, all the shield uniforms just shrunk in the wash because yeah, yeah. holy moly, are they just busting out of these things? It's, it's the
3: it's just a diving V-neck bodysuit. So yeah, it's uh, a real like
1: men's ballet sort of ensemble. Yeah, it,
3: it, <laughs> yeah. There's a Barishnikov vibe going on there.
1: A lot of leotards, a lot of mustaches, a lot of throwing each other around on the ground. It's what is going just, on in this barbershop
3: Yeah. (laughs) They do have white belts, which is a nice accent But otherwise um, So we're reminded that Cap misses uh, Sharon after he Bests Nick Fury So we we have Cap put over And then he just gets a little
2: Teary Yeah man, his like maudlin status In this issue Maybe this has been happening for a while now But like, Mm -hmm. seems really tacked on Like, he like beats Nick Fury Who's arguably the best at doing everything and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just a has been. I like, yep. He's, he's pulling just, like a Spider Man <laughs> or a daredevil. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he <laughs> yeah. just wanted Shield. Like, if he had lost the fight to Nick Fury, then, like, that attitude would totally make sense. But he won. He, like, beat up all of Shield just now and then, like, a training thing. Like, he's like, oh, I just suck. I'm a well, worse.
1: Well, it just tells you that whatever's going on in Cap's head, it's not something that he can solve by any sort of, like, personal accomplishment. Like, he yeah. has some work to do on himself. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Like understanding that the woman he's involved with could have her own career. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For example. Yeah. And also,
1: (laughs) like, I mean, to like step back and be serious about it for a second, if you read like from the beginning, Captain America has been like the story of a guy who he wakes up 15 years later in a world he doesn't recognize and his last memory is basically being unable to save his child partner from death, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then he's he's thrust into this world where like you know huge societal change is happening. He doesn't quite know where he fits in. Like there's you know certain elements of it that are totally ready to embrace him because he's this great hero. But it's also not a time when anyone Is encouraging him it's like hey Maybe you should you know talk to someone About hmm. some of the stuff that you're going through
3: Well he did go to a psychiatrist At one point but uh, <laughs> sure uh, That to didn't be a work super out yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's kind
3: of got burned on that you know
1: Yeah, yeah and then you know he, he, he meets This like first time he opens himself Up to someone is this woman who seems Really amazing but like he's still Got like 1940s values And she is not there and and mm. so it's like, you know, every time he tries to take like a tentative step into being a human being in this new world, he just gets shut down. Um, from that perspective, I mean, this is the kind of stuff where it's like I can I can make a case for it in Captain America where it seems really, really forced in other Marvel comics at the time. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Just
3: because like he's that. like grandpa. Yeah. Uh, uh, right? Yeah, right. yeah. You know, he he's he's trying to adjust to a totally totally different era than than this one and also i think they you know last issue and a little bit this issue they're hitting on part of his silver surfer level maudlin is him seeing where he fits in but it's like uh this is the best part of captain america to me when he starts mm-hmm. wondering about the nature of america and being a symbol right. and patriotism and and what that all means so uh
1: Because America itself is a very different country Than it was when he was fighting the good fight You know and you know as a member Of the greatest generation and all that I I
3: always I do like To remind myself too that They don't really touch on this as much But he's still just like a young Man
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) you
3: know When they even in the movies in the MCU it's like they're Like old man you're from the 40s and I'm Like well yeah but he's like 25 Or something I don't know uh like, right. like he, he's not 75 years old set in his ways. He didn't live through all of that. Uh, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's not like his brain is old. His notions are all set in stone. He's just a guy from back then. Anyway, yeah. what a side trip. Um,
1: anyway, tell us, tell us about this hypnotic <laughs> lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so the hypnotic lady, um, so we we get we get back to the next part of Suprema's plan, which is to tail Dum Dum Dugan uh, by his shield
2: tracker badge,
3: and then put the whammy on him too.
2: Yeah, that shield and tracker badge is kind of a modern concept. Yeah, oh, get, like a, mm-hmm. basically a cell phone with a GPS kind of thing. Yeah, or at least a near field, you know,
3: transmitter. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was starting to like, did they RFID this thing? Awesome. But um, <laughs> Dum Dum gets the whammy. He takes her and some henchmen to a secret weapons test that Fury and Cap are at. Then Fury gets the whammy. Then pretty much everybody gets the whammy except for Cap. And so he ends up fighting everybody, like much, much fighting. So much fighting that there's a page... Where Stan didn't bother
1: to write any dialogue and just said, "Check out Gene's fight scene." Uh, yeah, that's which I gotta say, the first few times that Stan did this trick, it was kind of like funny and, and clever. Now it's like I read this as like this is clearly Stan just did not feel like writing a page of dialogue. He's gone yeah. back to this well too many times.
3: Yeah, and he's like, "I don't know." There's a guy on top of a truck. I I can't tell if he's getting hit by the shield or catching the shield. There's some <laughs> other stuff. I'm not gonna even bother with this. Yeah. yeah, you all figure it out. The kids won't care. It'll it. Resolves in the next page. So, yeah. Um, So Cap then, in the middle of this fight, realizes, you know, there's a lot of people who are hypnotized. So he steals the cooler than it sounds Wolverine jet truck and takes off to uh, look through the morgue room of the Daily Bugle. And uh, we get a little cameo of J. Jonah Jameson saying uh, he wants to know where to send the bill for Cap going through (laughs) all the papers in the basement. Um, And then Cap heads to Stark's factory and uses a big fancy computer to confirm stuff that he looked up. So it's just like, it's really weird because Cap steals the villain's car, runs away (laughs) from a fight, and then just starts doing like journalism. Investigative uh, yeah.
2: journalism. Yeah. <laughs> uh this is pretty awesome. Also, uh, when he asked Stark to use the computer, Stark's like, I can't remember he's like in the middle of doing something and he's like, Yeah, you know where it is, see yourself out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He like can't be bothered. He's like, I'm not even in this comic book. Like,
1: do your own thing. It, and it looks like it looks like Tony Stark is like pouring a pot of coffee back into the coffee maker like he wants to make double strength coffee.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Tony Stark. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah. I
1: got an all nighter. <laughs> like, I am so drunk right now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so yeah, anyway, th- this is where it, it resolves. We find out cap comes back, um, manages to unwhammy some people, uh, so help me out, guys. How does he unwhammy?
1: <laughs> it just kind of uh,
3: he just like accuses them of who they are, and then it stops. Like <laughs> no, that's what no. I remember. Um, he uh,
1: he he realizes that there's a control disc, and that's the secret of her hypnotic powers. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: And during the initial fight, he, while there, he gets like the, something hits his shield with like a tink 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 and he's mm-hmm. like what was that oh no time to think about it and like goes about his business and later on it, it in these like page and a half it's revealed that like that's how they were doing it they were like yeah hitting hitting everyone with something
1: it's another patented Gene Colan compress the ending into a page and a half. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much so that I read it and reread it and was like, I don't remember why they he won. I mean, he won because yeah. he did investigative journalism, <laughs> right? That's like, the yeah. takeaway.
1: <laughs> yeah, every Gene Colan story should just end with a text page, like <laughs> right. It's like, and I'd be fine <laughs> a with it full honestly three because columns. like yeah, yeah, It's like I don't want to take anything away from the guy. Like he draws an amazing action scene. So, like everything he draws, I thoroughly enjoy it. But it's like don't make him get off of that horse just so he can wrap up a story. Like you can do that with words.
2: Yeah. It's a good looking issue too. I mean, like
3: it
1: looks great. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: I, I still so miss him drawing, you know, Dr. Strange, but I'll take any Jane Colin work, which I didn't know I would ever have said when we started this podcast, I I was like (laughs) maybe aware that he was a guy who worked on Marvel comics. Right. In the early days. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm like, give me more gene colon art. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, this, the, the, the final wrap up is the, you know, we oh, learned right. about the hypnotism trope. We learned that Suprema and Scarbo were a hypnotist brother and sister team. And I assume they left the circus for crime, not knowing about the circus of crime.
1: Mm, yeah because that would have been an easier transition right yeah it, that would have been a super easy transition because uh, there's like at least two other issues where we could have <laughs> very 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 smoothly blended into that but i will just say that yeah, you remember how we saw uh, tony stark making double strength coffee earlier i'm going to tell you about what he was doing uh that had him uh, had <laughs> oh. such a need for such acute caffeination um so uh, iron man 23 uh, the story is called the man who killed tony stark written by archie goodwin arts by george tusca and mike esposito inking as joe gaudioso fooling everybody
0: um
1: the cover of this issue is, this is kind of interesting so the cover of this issue is actually the first page of the issue um so Which marvel
2: doesn't really do right that's not no
1: they don't at all, but it really gives you this sort of, like, starting off in media res. Um, yeah. It's got, like, captions on it and describing, you know, exactly. You know, Like, you're, you you were just thrust into the action. It's it's Iron Man swooping down from the sky and attacking a ship. And um, you get some real
2: nice iron buns there uh, on the do. cover. You yep.
1: do. Right. sells. That's what sells the book. Um, so I, I'd like to say that, like, this is a you know a really and maybe it was a fascinating uh, experiment in graphic storytelling. Uh the fact of the matter is that page 15 was originally supposed to be the cover and they just swapped it. So um <laughs> <laughs> that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Tusca and 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 Esposito drew this book uh but uh Marie Severin drew page 15 cuz she drew what was originally supposed to be the cover. So there oh, you go. Yeah.
2: Page is great too. Yeah,
1: yeah. page fifteen's awesome, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the story, kind of. So, yeah, um, but it, it is like my favorite page in the book. So,
3: it's probably um, my favorite page of the month. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's real cool. good. Yeah, uh, and 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 Stan tries to cover up. He, he puts a little special note on that page. He's like, "There, faithful one, does this make up for the lack of a sizzling splash panel? This ish." And he signs it smiley. So, um, yeah, so I don't know what was going on in the production department, but they decided switch the cover in page 15 and there you go. So
3: probably from on high, you know, usually if they do something that dumb that late, it's because the publisher was like, we need to sell, we need
1: iron buns on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Our market what, research is telling yeah, us that attacking yeah, right. boats is moving copies yeah. <laughs> Put Iron Man attacking a boat on the cover of this issue <laughs> um, So anyway, uh, the boat in question that he's attacking Is the one that delivered the Titanium Man to America's Shores last issue um, I think we all remember that the Titanium Man uh, went on to murder Tony Stark's Lady Love, Janice Cord, uh, Kind of with an unintentional assist from Iron Man's stubbornness I'd say he's complicit you know yeah, yeah yeah I think so and I think He even I mean he blames himself whether Or not he actually blames himself You know uh, he probably either. blames
3: himself For not taking out the bad guy sooner Or whatever that's you know? the kind yeah.
1: of blame that Tony Stark assigns to himself yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, yeah he uh, He sinks the ship and he, he Tells us that the Navy will pick up the sailors We have no evidence that actually happens um, <laughs> He then <laughs> Recaps the last issue for us as A new adversary trains His rifle scope on him uh, really maybe one of the most uh, original and inventive uh, Marvel characters that we have seen in quite some time, a mercenary <laughs> named the mercenary. <laughs>
3: oh, come on! I thought he was Nighthawk from this, uh, you know, cause we recently saw him in Avengers. Um,
1: right. Re- Did we? Uh,
3: well, I mean, he was part. No, we didn't.
1: No, we didn't.
3: Hmm. Oh, mm. Sorry.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win them all. I- how long are we going to keep this bit going? I don't know. Like, <laughs> we, we 2023, got I guess. Yeah, we, we we got to finally pay this off. Anyway, or we don't. Uh, yeah, Or huh? we don't. Yeah. We just drag it out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, it turns out the mercenary is not after Tony Stark. He's following Stark because he thinks his true target is going to turn to Stark for help. And that person is Cheryl Porter, a shapely blonde lady who hides in the back of Tony's car and holds him at gunpoint while she tells him her sad story. And here is that sad story. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> while she was working overseas, she met and fell in love with a sailor named Jeff. First mistake. Uh, who didn't realize she didn't realize he was a total dirt bag uh, until she figured out that her honeymoon cruise was on the smuggling ship that he served on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I feel Man, like, this
3: way I started where I thought it was like the song Brandy, you know, like Cheryl's a fine girl and she serves whiskey and wine and meets a sailor. Hmm. Uh, then it immediately just turned into Cheryl should have seen this one coming.
1: I was going to say um, there ha- certainly there must have been some red flags uh, at, <laughs> at some like, point,
3: even as you approach the boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, But certainly before getting like settled in the boat
1: She overheard while she was on her honeymoon cruise on the smuggling boat uh, That they were smuggling the titanium man into the US So as soon as they docked on shore she called to warn Tony Stark But she was seen making the call So her dirtbag husband's co-workers hired the mercenary to shut her up (laughs) And I'm not quite sure why Because like the damage had been done at that point right But and they're it's, just
2: the crew, right? Like they don't care about the ultimate outcome of any of this, you know, they're, right. they're lower decks territory.
1: I guess maybe it was like, you know, they're professional smugglers. So they didn't want to, you know, wind up getting exposed for what they were. I don't know. Anyway, I got a
3: little thrill with this one because, and it's, I think it's Archie Goodwin's credit as usual, but to, to know that this was like part of this story was the prequel to a couple issues ago. You mm. know? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, it felt felt like a bit of Pulp Fiction time traveling through the story, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, and and honestly, just like a little thing like that can take a real by the numbers story and make it just I mean, that's kind of the genius of Marvel Comics, right? Yes.
2: Well, I mean, uh-huh. and your brain does something very like comforting and satisfying when it's like, here's a bit of the story that actually happened that you didn't know about. Like it yep. just it like hands it and there's this little bell in your brain that goes off and it feels feels nice.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Anyway. She's in trouble. Mercenaries trying to get her. Tony convinces her to come up to his mountain lodge with him for protection, which I'm sure is a line he has used on many, many blondes over the years.
2: Yeah, it made me wonder if you hadn't set this whole thing up just to.
1: Just to <laughs> so like a like a the real... mercenary cashing Tony Stark's check at the end of the issue. Uh, the mercenary tracks Stark to the cabin. Uh, along the way, he shoots Janice Cord's old lawyer, Vincent Sandhurst, to keep uh, to stop him from blowing up Tony Stark. Do you remember Vincent Sand? Hurst, I mean, he's Anybody? a real go-getter. Anybody? Yeah. No. Uh, he, do you remember who his brother is? No. The controller. Whoa! Oh, oh he yeah. was a legit character. He was in like yeah, many yeah. panels. Yeah. Yep. Jeez. Jeez. Oh, Whoa. Yeah, I know. Archie Goodwin, man, tying it all back. Anyway, uh, Tony's cabin is all decked out with security systems and defenses, uh, which the mercenary easily bypasses. He kicks down the door and shoots the back of Tony Stark's chair, but Iron Man turns around to face him. Uh, He knew it was him all along. Uh, He knew he was uh, being stalked. So Iron Man and the mercenary brawl for about half a dozen pages, while Cheryl hides in a bomb shelter under the cabin. Finally, the mercenary attaches a device that drains Iron Man's power, rendering him helpless. And he uses the power of instant stage makeup that... Literally everyone in the Marvel Universe has At this point in time To make himself look exactly like Tony Stark Just like little putty here, little putty here Boom, I'm Tony Stark
3: I have to say, the mercenary I mean, he looks A little goofy But he's doing blue and gold And some green, he looks cooler Than most villains Yep. Um, And he has all these gadgets So he's got like Beyond Batman levels of gadgets And I was like, I think this This could be his personality sucks, but that's okay. He's a villain. He could be a character that could stick around. You know, he's, he's Mm. got a lot of, he's holding his own against Iron Man. And, and then we get that sweet, like whatever light baffling thing he does to him before he fully knocks him out. Yeah. Um, which is the, the panel 15 that Marie Severin did that should have been the cover for sure.
1: It's so cool. They had to figure out a way to to work that in, and and that's how they did it. It's one of his uh. one of his crazy gadgets. Um, this this whole sequence with the them brawling in the cabin. This will be a question for Matt Fraction next time he's on. But um, toward the end of uh, Fraction's Iron Man run, there's a a similar scene, or I, I feel like it's a similar scene uh, involving the Spy Master, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if I mean. Fraction's a pretty clever guy. I would not be surprised to learn that this was an intentional reference back to this scene here.
2: Well, if, if he's that clever, he would take credit for it now regardless.
1: Exactly. I mean, he's no he, dummy. You can't <laughs> back
3: down from free clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like Here, happy Halloween. Have some clever. Uh, so anyway, uh, Mercenary looks exactly like Tony Stark now. He convinces Cheryl to let him into the shelter. But just as he's about to shoot her, uh, the not quite dead Vincent Sandhurst shows up and kills the mercenary thinking he's just killed Tony Stark. Uh, then he falls down the stairs and dies. Uh, so <laughs> a real Shakespeare kind of ending there for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Iron Man helps Cheryl Porter out of the bomb shelter and basically claims the victory even though like he is not in any way responsible for either one of them surviving this like (laughs) he got knocked
2: out like a champion and that was about it he got knocked out
1: then
3: he was too late to recharge to go help and he I mean even as Tony Stark like protecting this woman he has failed miserably oh yeah yeah Uh,
1: but you know once again Tony Stark dives headfirst into a giant pile of shit and comes out with a rose in his teeth so great job Tony
2: yeah, he also, uh, in one of the most hypocritical things he's ever said, uh, says to the guy, uh, there's a big drawback in depending on devices, as you do. <laughs> but, like, Tony, come on, man. That's like pretty What heavy. are you wearing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he was literally wearing the armor when he says it. And like <laughs> these two have been inspector gadgeting, gadgeting each other throughout this whole thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. so great. I, d- I forgot
3: that. I'm glad you said it. That cracked me up like like a snort when I <laughs> yeah, when you said right, that. Right. Uh, there was a was this the one that had the sweet letter in it? We just should at least cover
1: the sweet letter. Read the letter uh, yeah, if you're yeah. reading this on Marvel Unlimited.
3: It, this is a letter from Steve Flates um, from Shelbyville, Indiana. Uh, uh, it's pretty short, so I'll, I'll read it. Dear Stan, Archie and George. I've been a reader of Marvel comics since the fantastic four first came out. I knew then by the plot of the story and the fantastic artwork, it it would be a winner. Now back to the present. I'm a bodybuilder. Thus, I probably know more about muscles and their structure than the average person. I would like to compliment the whole Marvel crew on the way you draw your characters, muscles, especially iron man's. His abdominals are fantastically real and well-drawn. Your characters are not overdeveloped in any one place. Thank you for such realism in your characters. So uh, what <laughs> we've, we noticed there was he complimented. I mean, he did, you know, it did sound like he knew stuff about muscles, but um, he, he complimented the, the iron armor uh, abs as being accurate. So mm-hmm. that seems, that seems like complimenting like any like X-Men Uniform or the, you know, like George Clooney's Batman yeah. know, suit for yeah. how cool it is, uh, how muscly.
1: <laughs> the, the nipples were just perfectly placed. Uh, or I should
3: have said Michael Keaton. I, you know, I really I <laughs> sidetracked us with the whole nipple suit. It's okay. But the, yeah. that,
1: that letter, I think, got us all a little heated up. Um, well, talking of uh, a bunch of muscles all in the right place, uh, Jamie, uh, I believe you are going to introduce us to uh, a new Uh, undersea luminary in the marvel pantheon oh i
2: sure am in the coming of orca submariner 23 written by roy thomas art by mary severin and johnny craig this is another uh fun thing in my notes uh i wrote uh okra like probably 90 percent of the time (laughs) That was a real fun find and replace. I mean, <laughs> oh, another bit of trivia, and this will come up in a moment. A group of whales is called a pod, a gam, a harem, a herd, and a plump. I didn't know nice. any of that. I didn't
1: know. I love that plump.
2: Yeah, and uh, guys, um,
1: we're recording a pod right now.
2: <laughs> oh, speaking of pods, uh,
1: <laughs> now we can transition anywhere.
0: <laughs>
2: Just save we're that one. Yeah. The power. Um. so this is unimportant but kind of interesting no events in this issue relate to the previous issue at all except they make a point in the opening caption to like place us in time in that these events happen on the swim home from what happened with dr strange in the last issue there was no real reason to do it felt like they were solving a problem that like nobody actually had you know like if if he had just started this issue swimming around it would like What was he doing here?
3: Yeah. If you've read any Submariner or every other Submariner issue, it starts off with him swimming around and then you eventually figure out if whether he's on a 70 issue arc or. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they were like this time. Absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) That that was funny.
1: (laughs) That tells me that there was some like scheduling hijinks uh, and and that's if my suspicion is correct and and the Doctor Strange issue was kind of shoehorned in there uh, uh-huh. Because they they cancelled Doctor Strange before Roy could tie that Storyline off like this really feels Like this is the issue that got bumped for that And Roy's just like No this is our plan all along <laughs> yeah, like right. no one will suspect Otherwise <laughs> I've cleverly Concealed my tracks <laughs> We will mention Doctor
3: Strange in yeah. one sentence And then <laughs> on to this other
2: issue Right they'll never be the wiser Uh, Yeah. All right. So this opens with uh, a plump of killer whales, uh, which Namor is following. uh, And as he's following them, they lead to uh, this new villain, Orca, who like beats the tar out of Namor uh, into an undersea mountain, which collapses on top of him, which I feel like we're starting to see an awful lot of a lot of underwater mountains collapsing. Uh, So yeah, Orca is shaped kind of like the Hulk, except he's blue and he's wearing white. He has a snazzy yellow belt uh, with eight uh, presumably whale teeth forming kind of like a cage around his
1: face. He looks like a guy who's being eaten by an orca. Yes, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that is
3: well put by venom. Yeah, the and what's weird is Marie Severin's version of a killer whale. The actual killer whales um, look like uh, more like the sort of simplified cartoon or even maybe a like totem native american version of what the killer whale oh, was like yeah, yeah, exactly. none of them look accurate and it they like she wasn't quite sure where the blotches were or if they were different on different whales like her research right. was like one picture from a newspaper across the room and then just started drawing whales <laughs> yeah because um,
2: that's like
1: a pretty iconic animal
2: like it like your average kid could probably sketch out what a what a killer whale looks like right like
1: your the, average kid who was born in the free willy era sure yeah Or oh, the, the post the free willy era yeah
2: <laughs> no one cares now
3: <laughs> 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 willy has been freed no one understands
1: <laughs> yep, we all have problematic feelings about Michael Jackson. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's like, let's just forget Free Willy happened. <laughs> and
2: then they made like 19 more uh direct, for, direct to video movies, too. There's like yep. nine free willies. Yep, Will-
3: Willy's <laughs> so- freed everywhere. Oh, oh,
1: oh god, I was gonna just- say for the kids, <laughs> and then I was like, it's yeah. getting worse
3: so fast. Yeah,
1: this is. Boy, we're, we're in deep. Speaking of being in deep, we're underwater with Namor under a mountain. Right. There, so, uh, I saved bam! Us.
2: <laughs> Another brilliant segue. So Namor uh, buried under the mountain, uh, he like hulk lifts the mountain up over, over his head and then uh, knocks a whale unconscious so he can Trojan whale himself inside this undersea base that he's found. Uh, once there, he encounters and beats up a very surprised orca and then immediately after encounters the always evil Dorcas. Um. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I love that Dorcas is involved with Dorca. I was hoping that would happen. <laughs> oh, their couple
1: yeah. name is Dorca. <laughs> uh,
3: when, one thing, when you said he uh, Trojan whaled himself inside, he didn't like get inside the whale. He he rode on the bottom of the whale, which what? I don't think is really hiding when you're in a three dimensional space.
1: Yeah. And he's hiding on the most visible part of the whale. Yeah. Because, yeah <laughs> <that> was, right, <laughs> presumably you would be below. Yeah. On the ground. So that, yeah, that's right, all right. I
3: had to. I had to just point out the, the weird way he did that. But it's yeah. Namor.
1: Also, this whole place <laughs> is like a giant Rube Goldberg machine designed to deliver whales to a very specific <laughs> point in it yeah it's it's very very strange like the whole time i just had like the looney tunes like doom <laughs> music going through my head <laughs> right whales on underwater conveyor belts and mm-hmm. yep uh
2: so yeah so he's beating up dorcas orcas <laughs> orca <laughs> that's gonna happen a lot and then he encounters dorcas who has trapped some Atlanteans in like an underwater water bubble that is also surrounded by hungry sharks. Uh, this all leads to the reveal that this dastardly plan that we just found out about was actually uh warlord Krang's doing all along. Warlord Krang is like an ongoing Namor villain who I never remember, like never once.
0: Yeah. He,
3: he looks like, you know, underwater Ming the merciless. Uh, mm-hmm. He looks pretty cool. But he also has looked different in different times, depending on who's drawing him. Yeah. Sometimes he's like a weaselly general. Sometimes he's more regal.
2: You hear Krang, you think like floating pink brains squirt him from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. GMNT, yeah. yeah. So uh, this Krang has a, like a fishbowl water helmet around his uh, spockier head. He's wearing, there's a lot of colors involved. So he's got a green cape, yellow gloves, blue skin an orange shirt with like uh, there's like a red sun symbol on a black circle. Uh, he has a red cloth pirate sash belt that goes like down to the ground, white pants and red boots. You put that all together and it looks like like every action figure that you couldn't identify in your like neighbor's toy collection when you were seven <laughs> years old. Yeah. Yes. Like I, I recognize this guy for sure, and it's from nothing related to any of these <laughs> Or somebody just <laughs> the legs came off of that guy. So I put these legs on him. Yeah. yeah. He's like he looks he's like very over designed, I think. Like he looks Cool, but like, or like, if you took off some of that, he could look cool. I don't
1: know. There's, there's
3: Yeah, I, it's it's got like complementary and analogous colors in his outfit. It just does not. It does not work very well. He's not pulling it off. That's yeah. all.
1: You know how like before you leave the house, you're supposed to look at yourself in the mirror and take one thing off. Like <laughs> he put four more things on it. Like I'm doing it. Yeah.
2: I'm crying.
3: my <laughs> lord. Yeah.
2: Do what I want. I also I looked this up. Uh, Krang was born canonically in Atlantis City, Atlantis. <laughs>
3: it's, a, it's a big gambling <laughs> echo in yeah.
2: Atlantis. I couldn't I couldn't even pick a joke. Like there were so many, my brain exploded. Um, so Krang like politely volunteers to explain how all of this wackiness came together. Since there's like three villains here, um, I'm not going to go into all of it because it doesn't super matter. But uh, Krang had Dorcas. Uh, tr- Transform the like fiercely loyal to Krang uh, Orca into an air-breathing strong guy with like killer whale powers, I guess, uh, in order to beat Namor and like <laughs> make Atlantis great again. Um, <laughs> so, oh, and Orca has uh, that belt I mentioned earlier. That's like probably an Achilles belt uh, that connects him to computers that like give him the powers. It's it's so
3: weird because Dorcas made Tiger Shark, and then he just like infused him with tiger shark juice you know he didn't have some fancy belt
1: well but you see how tiger shark turned out it's (laughs) like you know maybe we just want to have a belt we can take off this guy if he starts to lose his mind that's
3: true he's a teethy insane (laughs) person yeah (laughs)
1: um
2: and it also you get this a little bit later that they can like dial up the powers of orca by by channeling more orca power into him
1: yeah so i I think not i don't want to to bury this because this is the best Part of this insane story The reason that they had this crazy Rube Goldberg uh, Building to have Killer whales Directed into is because they Harvest the actual power Of the killer whales Uh, So it's like if if Spider-Man If like getting bit by the radioactive Spider wasn't enough like instead he had to keep like a giant globe full of spiders like near him at all times. Just had to and be he could, like spiders. Just actually. like turn up a dial. If he needed more spider power, like that's kind <laughs> of how Orca works.
3: The other thing is this, this killer whale power mind power or whatever it is. It's basically the Unimind. Like Orca is like a Unimind for killer whales. Mm, um,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's tracks.
3: <laughs>
2: Uh, so now that Namor's here, they're ready to ready to go with the plan, I guess. Um, so Dorcas murders a bunch of killer whales to feed Orca even more power. And I, this is like pre Star Trek four. So like whale murder at this point in American society probably like wasn't that huge a deal. Like, <laughs> you know, on par with like littering or smoking in a school or something like that
3: i think you could still smoke (laughs) in a school at that point
1: i'm sure you could litter yeah
2: (laughs) right right
3: yeah you could do both of the you could probably put a cigarette on a kid's head
2: (laughs) which would be like frowned upon by the hippies right but like everyone else is cool with it (laughs) right right yeah so namor kind of bypasses the none too bright orca and threatens to rip the fishbowl off of crank's head uh if they don't immediately Free Dorma who is trapped In the in the
1: bubble around Surrounded by sharks
3: oh yeah I forgot that Dorma's Dorma's the hostage go figure
1: Yeah because c- it's a Submariner story So of course she is also there's right. a lot of Real similar vowel sounds in is, <laughs> does, yeah. does Atlantis Only have one vowel
2: <laughs> <laughs> Or yeah it's like the Opposite of Hawaii or, or, or like Hawaiian Yeah yeah exactly so Dorcas refuses To free Dorma so Orcas or- <laughs> I'm gonna <keep> doing that. <laughs> I literally wrote Orcas. Uh, Orca throws Dorcas into the water, like presumably to his death, but then immediately not really, because Namor swims in to save Dorcas, um, who is like immediately getting eaten by a killer whale. And uh Dorcas is the only one who can save Dorma. So then as Namor is rescuing Dorcas. Orca saves Dorcas <laughs> because Krang is going to insist on marrying Dorma.
1: There's a part of me that just wants to like wrap yeah. this up, but also like yeah. listen to you struggle through this. Yeah, no. Orca <laughs> saves Dorcas because
3: Krang <laughs> insists on marrying Dorma.
1: Oh my God, There should be a roadside sobriety test. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy.
2: I mean, there's so much going on in like the, and it's so condensed. Um, you just don't need three bad guys in one scene.
1: No, this is such an overstuffed episode yeah. Or issue. Yeah.
2: So like eventually under Dorcas' instructions, Krang presses the button that rescues Dorma from the trap that they put her in, uh, which then, while well, Orcas like more conclusively beats up Namor and then reluctantly like puts Namor in chains. So Orca is not very smart. And I think he feels like he beat Namor not honorably or something. Like he wants to keep fighting to see how it would go. Uh, But he's really under the thumb of crying. All the while that this is going on, Dorcas is like yelling about something, um, but getting ignored. And what this was, was that Lady Dorma silently rescued the rest of the people from like the bubble trap and kind of goes to swim off. So we end with Namor enslaved in kind of like zappy chains and kind of like a cliffhanger.
3: I love that. Almost off scene, everyone else escapes like (laughs)
2: it's like can't
3: do
1: right by lady dorma this is like three issues worth of story crammed into and to her credit marie severin does an awesome job trying to get all of this on the page and pace it out but there are so many pages with like six or more panels on them and all the similar names um there's no need to have this many villains
2: yeah, I wonder why that happens. Like what they were trying to like maybe with like the the loss of the Doctor Strange title, they were like, all right, now it's time to really like lean on Namor to be our flagship.
1: It's just kind of I like don't... a Roy Thomas thing. Like honestly, like I feel like we've seen this again. In fact, uh, here's a transition um, There's a, <laughs> another issue that Roy wrote this month That has another three villains set up Where really you probably didn't need at least one of them Oh, um, yes So, uh, yeah, it's Daredevil number 61 uh, Trapped by the Trio of Doom Which is written by Roy Thomas The arts by Gene Colin, Inked by Sid Shores First of all, I don't want to get your hopes up. Uh, if you're a fan of the Unholy Three, it's not them. Uh, it's also not Electro's emissaries of evil. Uh, this is the Titanic team up of the Cobra, Mister Hyde, and the Jester. I don't know why this keeps happening, but like writers love to put Daredevil up against multiple supervillains. I guess it's more dramatic when he overcomes. But uh, I guess
2: it, yeah. it is a weird, a weird call.
1: Yeah. Um, also uh, a weird call is that the story starts out With Hyde and, and Cobra stealing some rare and valuable toys From the Guggenheim Museum uh, <laughs> Which is, that's a mad lib of a sentence <laughs> yeah. I'm I kind of convinced that this scene is just there Because Gene Cullen wanted to draw the Guggenheim Museum But mm-hmm. uh, I could be wrong about that Uh, This seems also like the kind of thing that Roy Thomas would want to mention that he knows what the Guggenheim Museum is. So uh, meanwhile, uh, as they're doing that, we see uh, Daredevil changing back into his civilian clothes because Matt Murdock is going to take Karen Page out for a night on the town and ask her to marry him again. Uh, She has turned him down twice before we find out, uh, but he really thinks uh, the third time is going to be the charm. Of course, it's not
2: uh, well because he's changed literally nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he's like,
1: like he he, re, he basically he's just trying to wear her down. He's not right. trying to like uh, address any of her very legitimate concerns about him being uh, a pathological liar or someone who's like constantly putting his life in danger. Um, yeah, I I have like so
2: I I think this is worth talking about a little bit. So because yeah. like the
1: the like trope of the uh,
2: like annoying wife and girlfriend who doesn't want the hero, the protagonist to be the protagonist yeah is like it's brutal but when you're watching a show you're just like oh there's that character again like but they're not wrong <laughs> like yeah is a hundred percent right in this case and it still doesn't read as like I don't know it it doesn't read as simplistic as that but she is just right
3: yeah and the this is like the Batman um whoever it could like Matt Murdock can do a hundred times better and solve more crimes by being uh the great lawyer that he is Mm -hmm. just like bruce wayne could solve much more than you know it's just more of a need to go punch people um which is something wrong with their brains so maybe karen is right to be like maybe i don't want to be with the guy who has to go out at night and punch people
2: Mm yeah it just it reminded me of the like the skylar debates from the breaking bad era like people hated her so passionately but like she's right (laughs) she's just also a little annoying but like written annoyingly yep this is it's like the the neonatal version of what this grows into you on on television
1: oh Mm -hmm. it's absolutely yeah it's a it's a drag um i feel like uh our our friends at uh screw we're just going to talk about comics have have talked about this recently too it's just like a it's really hard to um, they talk about it. I, I think in terms of Cyclops where like Cyclops character in the X-Men is, he's just the guy who just tells people no all the time. And it's like, <laughs> that's why people don't like Cyclops. He's like, right. no, stop doing that. Like his, his initial reaction is always stop. Don't, you know? So yeah, it's not, yeah.
2: not a character and personality, but it, it's not a fruitful one.
3: Yeah. Right. It's not a, it's not a great action one. And you're in a world where anything can happen and he's the one who's like trying to be reasonable
0: first. Yeah. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah.
2: Yeah, don't don't make a character who's innately bad at improv, you know, like, yeah, like that's not going to lead to good stories.
1: You want a yes and not a no, but yep. anyway. Uh, so, uh, you know, Matt's next proposal is not going to go any better. Um, due in no small part to the fact that Matt learns about the Guggenheim robbery during the date, it immediately leaves to go daredevil it up. <laughs> and, and he doesn't even accomplish anything while he does this. He shows up to overhear cops discussing the robbery, but the trail has gone cold.
3: Did not need to leave the date. Yep.
1: yep, exactly. He could have accomplished all of that and still pretended that he was trying to be a better person. The next day, a carnival owner by the name of Lemuel Fry shows up in the DA's office to pass a message to Daredevil through Matt Murdock. And if you just heard the word carnival and your carny sense started tingling, congratulations. (laughs) You know where this is going. Oh, the Uh, drinking game. Take a sip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, So it turns out he's in cahoots with the trio of doom. Uh, They rented out his carnival to trap Daredevil and uh, paid him a little extra to lure Daredevil there. Uh, but don't worry, he does get his just desserts when the villains stick him and Daredevil in a booby-trapped roller coaster. Uh, Daredevil escapes, but Fry does not. Uh, his car goes flying off the tracks and takes him along with it. Um, I believe that's what's known as a Carney funeral in the biz.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Zing.
1: Uh, anyway, so uh, Daredevil, uh, this is how it it wraps up. Uh, he, he lures them into the Hall of Mirrors. Turns out that that's a lot more confusing for sighted people uh, than it is for blind guys with radar senses. Uh, <laughs> and he takes out all three villains as Karen Page and the police show up. Uh, the bad guys are led away to jail, and Karen's like, "See, you can just call the police," and then she leaves with the police. <laughs> uh, oh, and also, and, it's my birthday. Oh yeah, and oh, then she yeah. says, as she says, uh, her her exit line is just devastating. Uh, and now you'll have to excuse me. You see, today is my birthday. I had a long-standing date this evening with one Matt Murdock, but he seems to have forgotten me, and I think it's high time I return the favor. Yeah. So Karen, Karen Page is the hero of the story. 100 percent hey so so we read a lot of comics this this session uh
2: what the stealing of the toys from the guggenheim fits into this
0: how i'm not saying I, it's not in there i just i don't. think
1: the jet it's because the jester was like the mystery third member of the trio i mean unless you looked at the cover and it was his because he knows a lot about toys because he's the jester and that was like how he was going to make money like that he knew which toys to steal because they were the most valuable ones it's really poorly explained i had to dig for that detail but that's what it is like okay yeah, right.
3: just so. you explaining it with the actual reasons just sounds more like a head injury than it did before we
1: tried <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know i've been knocked around a lot um speaking of getting knocked around a lot rob oh yes. man yes. slam dunk
3: yeah let's talk about a little uh little tiny guy named bruce banner and his alter ego called the Incredible Hulk. This is Hulk number one twenty-five, written by Roy Thomas, art by Herb Trimpe. Uh, it's called. Oh, I also picked this issue, and as people who might have listened for a long time know, one of the words I hate saying is absorb <laughs> this, this issue is called and now the real, absorbing uh, man
1: dorkus dorma <laughs> situation you got yourself into <laughs> i i seriously
3: have to think of the word up when i start uh <laughs> saying that or i'll say absorbing um so anyway um this is basically banner continuing his streak of not avoiding <laughs> becoming the hulk <laughs> <laughs> After Hulk trashed Banner's wedding uh, Betty Ross's <laughs> the house where she was born, I think Ooh. and yep. uh, hospitalized the oh, his almost father-in-law Thunderbolt Ross uh, we meet him on a beach where he is upset about being Hulk like sort of dumb upset Hulk stuff and uh, he beats up a poor couple's car really bad yeah <laughs> and he scares them. A lot. This is what it would be like if you, I felt like this was a Buziak kind of take. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the Hulk shows up on the beach and then just starts raging on your car and then throws it into the lake after he mashes it into a ball. Your life has taken a totally different route mentally forever. Like recovering from that is not an easy thing to do.
2: Yeah, because you can't be like, well, you know, I I was in a major metropolitan area. I like kind of had it coming. I should have thought of that before (laughs) I like went to, you know, superhero city or whatever. But like these people were like on a beach and like you would never trust going anywhere again after a Hulk sighting.
1: That'd be like getting like if, if you got attacked by a shark in a lake. Like you just never take a bath again. (laughs) Right, 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 right. right. (laughs) So so
3: after he beats up this car, he uh, hears some music playing on their little portable radio and Hulk gets sleepy. Um, uh, So, of course, Banner wakes up in his, you know, ripped up purple pants, uh, laying face down on a beach, wondering what happened after the last Hulk bender. And he finds out that a, a meteor uh, or a comet is about to threaten all life on the planet. Um, so he doesn't remember anything that happened at his failed wedding um, or the leader stuff or Hulk trashing it. He just, you know, as usual wakes up scantily clad and wondering what the hell happened.
0: It's so- like college. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
3: So Banner, once he hears about this heads to the nearest base and volunteers to help stop this comet. And, and that's just how easily he talks everyone into that after wandering in and being, you know, uh, Talbot confirms who he is, but it's just, uh,
1: he looks like an insane person. Yes. yes,
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he'd get that far without being tased, you know? Um, and today's, Parlance, lance
1: but the the confidence that herb trimpey draws him with like he's just like rooted to the spot like gesturing defiantly and he's just like he owns the room yeah, yeah. His,
2: his legs in that scene are like a capital a yeah, like they're the that's the triangle of his legs and like one arm is like in superhero pose on his like, you know, upper hip area and the other one's like pointing and he's bare chested. It's just like, <laughs> like, you're, you're crazy, but
3: I'll do whatever you tell me. <laughs> right. Right. He's very <laughs> commanding. He can walk into an army base with ripped up purple pants and nothing else and just own the room. Yeah. yeah. he's um, in, I'm in, let's do it. But he is, uh, you know, Talbot does know that he's a pretty smart guy when he's not, the not smart guy.
1: Also, if something happens to Bruce Banner, that clears away for Talbot to wind up with Betty. So what does he care? Yeah, yeah. that's a win-win so, either way.
3: So it turns out Banner can help with a make a nuke. This is this total Armageddon situation now. Um they gotta nuke this comet so the comet doesn't <laughs> hit Earth. Um so he's gonna fly up the nuke because he knows too much about how to deploy it or some Sciencey stuff, but to do that he needs to (laughs) be sedated, so he doesn't Hulk out. So, which I'm glad somebody thought of this finally after so many issues of Hulk. Like, hey, let's just give you know Banner some lewds and he's gonna be mellow, man, or you know, let him
2: let him have a little hit on the bong.
3: Um, so, uh, it's
2: the sixties still a little bit. Yeah. right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> we got to turn that banner cat onto the spliffs. Um, so, uh, they, so he goes and flies this rocket into space to blow up a nuke and save the earth while under sedation. Um, and, uh, it turns out the comic, the comet, is actually being mind driven by the absorbing man. Uh, mm-hmm he he's been stuck on it and somehow he's just got to know it really well. He's like a whisperer of comets and uh, has got it to nudge its way uh, toward earth to return him there. So it's just his boat. And I don't know what he, I guess he doesn't eat or anything.
2: I, I don't know. I I assumed it was like the Colossus thing where like, where when you're in the transformed version of yourself, you don't need whatever air or food or, Poop or whatever you're you're just like you know self sustaining.
1: Yeah. yeah, He's ma- he's magic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh great. I accept. He yeah. <laughs> he, he is literally magic. So yeah.
3: <laughs> so uh, uh, so this is where we get the Banner does get the nuke launched, um, but then Absorby in his rear sees him in the rear view who jumped onto the the plane. Uh, just seeing that freaks him out enough to break through the sedation and he hulks out. So <laughs> then there's a Bunch of pretty cool pages. Yeah, <laughs> of uh, I guess there's there's about two full pages of them fighting on this rocket ship as it plummets towards the earth. Um, we get to see a lot of weird magic, absorbing man uh, logic where he touches things and takes them on or doesn't or whatever. Um, but then uh, <laughs> the absorbing man is finally foiled because he is one. He's standing, he, he absorbed the Hulk's power by touching the Hulk and that let him, you know, have a big old fight. Then, uh, he's standing on a defeated Hulk and he's holding a mountain of rock over his head and gloating. And, uh, then Hulk who is knocked out turns into Banner and absorbing man absorbs normal human Banner-ness and, uh, (laughs) uh, somehow Banner gets out of the way. Uh, an absorbing man, you know, now is just a human trying to hold up basically a mountain of rock and uh, he can't. So he quickly, quick thinking, turns himself into rock and then that's it, not crum- gonna do it. <laughs> it smashes yeah, him and he, yeah. he's like, I'm crumbling apart. And that's the last we'll ever hear of this character.
1: <laughs> Good yeah. day. Do we have any more stories that involve uh, guys made of rock? I have a
2: story about a man made of rock a little bit. It is The Mad Thinker and His Androids of Death. Fantastic Four 96 by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby with Frank Gia Koya? Koya.
1: Coy- yeah, you got
2: it. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, all right. So after a, ser- <laughs> after a series of like cute stagey business stuff, The Fantastic Four are like slowly replaced on a very tight timetable by Mad Thinker's androids. Uh, which you mostly get from the cover anyway. Um, all except for Reed, whose knowledge of tactics just can't be beat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Reed quickly takes down the mad thinker and outmaneuvers the Photastic Four. Um, he very quickly rescues Ben, and then the fight between the two things threatens to knock down the entire building unless the thinker can zap one of them. But which one? Um, as he's trying to decide the invisible woe mandroid grabs the zapper from the thinker Um, but now the real Ben has like a a moral quandary in order to fix the situation he would have to hit uh, a woman even though she's an android woman and can he do it more or less yes he can
1: he knocks a wall (laughs) onto her indirectly it's uh, It's chivalrous
3: when you indirectly (laughs) knock things into a lady
1: yeah, yeah, and, yeah, And she's a robot uh, I mean Ben's a good guy But he's you know he's got his limits
3: Sure sure he just woke yeah. up too You know he's yeah, exactly. he Woke
1: up cranky <laughs>
2: um, So then uh, Reed threatens the thinker in order to get him To reveal the location of Sue and Johnny But he, he just won't talk uh, Reed eventually, he's feeling real bad about all of this stuff, um, and he starts like looking around, and he finds a secret tunnel in the building that the Thinker built while they, the team was off fighting Doctor Doom a ways back. Um, was that? Did we see that? Was that on panel or was that off panel? It that was, was off totally off panel. panel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh
2: man. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. thought maybe that there was like a box, and it was like, we'll see what. Happens with this. Crazy Somebody tunnel. just
3: sent a letter or called Jack in California and was like, "Jack, what? How? how do you get in here?" And Jack's like, <laughs> right. "Well, yeah. here's the thing. I'll draw a secret <laughs> elevator. <laughs> yeah, but I won't. You, we won't draw. Need to draw it till we're well into the issue, and then we'll be fine." <laughs> yeah.
2: So uh, they they head down the secret tunnel shaft, uh, and then they eventually encounter some some bad guy troops. Uh, ben literally throws the Thinker at the Thinker's guards. <laughs> um, and then they rescue uh, the sedated Sue in a tube with a kiss. And that's very sweet. Um, they leave Johnny in the tube, probably for a few weeks, we assume. Uh, <laughs> just to give everyone a break. Let him cool off. Y- yeah, yeah, man. nice. Yeah, I mean, this issue was simple. It was like a simple issue, like well executed. Like yeah. Not a lot of meat to it. I think the Mad Thinker has huge potential as a villain and I think that they just keep using him the exact same way in that like he can yeah. predict everything unless something goes slightly wrong in which case he <laughs> can predict nothing
3: he can predict yeah. so many variables that you know of course it's it's not possible but the fact that he could predict weird things like how long it will take somebody to the second to walk down a block and a strip you know in a city um when a lot of things could happen, just that person getting a block, so much yeah. could go wrong. Right. So, right. but then he just didn't think that Reed's, you know, tactics were going to be able to, <laughs> to outsmart the Reed droid. He's making androids that have basically the powers of the Fantastic Four. He could. That's way
2: better <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a way better thing yeah. do
3: that build a robot army with superpowers if you can do that man don't yeah. worry about telling everybody which second something's going to happen because of your computer
2: <laughs> yeah right right build an army of superheroes and you're, you're good
1: yeah
2: yeah um, no, do it's... you know what, when the foundation books came out because like the, the whole premise of that is like you can predict a uh, large mass you can take all the data of mass populations and make accurate predictions about like society. Hmm. Um and it was Asimov, so it, it could have been in this era.
3: Yeah, it's behind me, but I can't get get to uh, it with my headphones <laughs> on. It was uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: forty two to fifty, so I'm sure. Oh, whoa, I'm okay. sure Kirby and Lee were both aware of it. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: yeah. I wonder if he's like a Harry Seldon dude. Uh, I can totally book. see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I think um, you're right that like every Mad Thinker story is the exact same story, and the fun of it is like trying to figure out. It's like, okay, what's the thing? He didn't think of, you know. It, it's almost like a whodunit, but it, you know, it's like you, you have to come up with a twist that no one's come up with before, um, right?
2: And it, it that twist should be something um, that isn't just the good guy being slightly better th- than
1: the yeah. bad guy, because that's, this is more of a right. dumb it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, can't yeah, wish. I couldn't stop myself. Boom! You did it, but you know. I mean, there's there's villains that you can use again and again and again and tell basically the same story over and over and over with, and you can still find fun things to do with it. I think one of the things that that makes the Mad Thinker not an A-list villain for sure, but I think there is something about like people love seeing a guy who thinks he's so much smarter than everyone else just get his <laughs> ass handed to him like yeah. i mean it's like it's really really satisfying especially when that's the only thing he's got going on i was telling john hodgman it's like that's the character you should play in the mcu because america just wants to see a really smart smart, smart guy get his ass beat yeah um, yeah. yeah and yeah you know, I, I don't know i don't know if i sold him on it but um, but talking of villains that we see uh, over and over and over and tell basically the same story with, um, <laughs> we uh, we have one more uh, trip to the carnival, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. And this is uh, Thor number 173, Ulick Unleashed. Uh, very briefly, he's unleashed. Uh, this is by, <laughs> by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby with Bill Everett doing the inks. So um, Vince Coletta is still exiled from the building. This is like the third or fourth time that Thor has tangled with the circus of crime and every single time I just love what a ridiculous mismatch it is. It's Uh, so good. (laughs) He's, he's an immortal God and up against like some carnies and a guy with a hypnotic hat. Uh, And it's like, and it's always the same thing. It's like, as long as that hypnosis is working for you, like you're going to be in control of the situation, but like the clock is ticking, you know, everybody
3: else literally has no powers. Like they're (laughs) like, they, they have the powers. They don't even have the powers of like a Cirque du Soleil show. They're not, <laughs> right. That would be more threatening. Yeah. They don't have those powers. So right. it's just totally crazy whenever <laughs> they show up. Yeah. And I do love, uh, although this thing starts. With a really, uh, I was totally baffled and taken in by this issue. It's a great like catch.
1: Terrific open. Uh, the story opens with lame Dr. Blake treating Thor's sore back. Wait, what?
3: <laughs> <laughs> While Thor, jo- he's all jolly like he's on a hostess fruit pie and he's juggling, um, yeah, which is just it, a weird Thor.
1: Uh, but of course, it's not the real Thor. It is the Circus of Crimes Carny Thor, uh, which is a role that was actually originated by the actual Thor Back in Thor 145, when he was briefly a member of the Circus of Crime, uh, hmm. when he'd been exiled to Earth and had lost his powers. Um, but Carney uh, Thor uh, strained his back, lifting something heavy the previous evening, which the Ringmaster is being super squirrely about. Um, <laughs> so lame Dr. Blake, after leaving the circus, um, he pulls over and, and changes into Thor to investigate further.
2: Man, were there just a lot more circuses back then? Like, I know that there were more circuses, but there were were there a lot more?
1: I think there were Uh, Yeah And I I think it was much more of I I think that sort of like That circuit traveling show thing Was much more common form of entertainment When Um, I was
3: a little kid in the 70s You know We like Barnum and Bailey's Coming to town Was like the biggest damn thing that could happen Um, Mm -hmm. We were And there were smaller You know What Sometimes they're just like fairs now, but like they, they were, they had full tents and carnivals. Um,
1: yeah. But like, how often was that? Oh, is it, 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 it? I mean, I grew up in Vermont. It was at least an annual event.
2: It was at um, least an annual thing. Okay. Right.
3: If yeah. not. Yeah. In, in Portland we had the Barnum and Bailey's at least annually. And then we had other smaller things, but we also had Portland wrestling. So that was its own circus.
1: Um, you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> talking of traveling road shows um, yeah, so uh, then we cut to Asgard where Loki is rallying the enemies of Asgard to rise up and make him king. Um, Ulik's like, well, you're going to need Thor out of the way if you want me to do that. And Loki's like, great idea. I'm going to send you to Earth. Uh, you're going to take out my brother. Because, you know, a good con always involves the mark feeling like they came up with the idea. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Ulik gets sent to uh, Thor's location on Earth. But after uh, a couple of minutes of trashing the Circus of Crime looking for Thor, uh, Ulic is hypnotized by the Ringmaster, who now has a new star attraction. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like instead of Thor getting hypnotized, it's Ulic. So it's like I love that just like this little tweak on the formula is like all of a sudden this is a great new story. Um uh, and uh, the ringmaster mentions that he's got someone who can lift the giant barbell if fake Thor is unavailable. And fake Thor is definitely unavailable because lame Dr. Blake tranquilized him without his knowledge or consent while he <laughs> was treating him. So, great doctor. Uh So then our, our show begins. Uh, we get a beautiful half page of carnival delights uh, that Bill Everett, unlike some inkers, uh, inks every line of. Um, the actual Thor comes out to perform in place of fake Thor. Everyone eats oh, it
3: up one thing yeah. on the carnival delights, uh, yes, look please. in the, look on the far right edge. Um, if you have it open, on um, walking a tightrope, uh, behind the people on the acrobatic bars, it looks like Johnny storm, like full on in costume. <laughs> oh, <wow>. along. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, do you, I, yeah, he is. It's, there's a circle on his chest, but you can't quite see a four because the trapeze bar is in the way of one of the <laughs> performers. Huh. That's great. I was just like, what, Kirby? Did you just put Johnny Storm in here for some reason? (laughs) There's going to be a crossover and, you know, didn't happen.
1: That's so great. Yeah, so, well, then apparently Johnny Storm was enjoying the delights of of Thor's performance. Um, And the ringmaster seems annoyed that the crowd enjoyed the show so much. So he brings out Ulick to lift the world's only 5,000 pound barbell. Uh, And he does right over his head. Um, and at Ringmaster's command, Ulick starts to bring it over to a waiting flatbed truck, uh, but Thor recognizes Ulik. He knows something's fishy here. Uh, he hurls the hammer at the barbell, which shocks Ulik out of his trance, and the two of them start tearing the place apart. Uh, Thor gets the upper hand and zaps Ulik back where he came from, so back to Asgard. Um, and now it's time to solve this caper Scooby-Doo style. <laughs> Got it in there. (laughs) Uh Uh, Thor knocks the Ringmaster's hat off with a well-thrown Mjolnir. Uh, and then the cops rush in. Uh, they recognize the acrobats who stood on each other's shoulders to raid a third story government electronics <laughs> center the previous evening. Uh, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. This comes out of nowhere. It's uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: like somebody started with just a random assortment of things they grabbed out of a hat and started trying <laughs> to reverse engineer it. So yep. go on. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they clothesline the clown who distracted them so the acrobats could make their getaway. Um, and then uh, Thor deals with Princess Python and her giant snake. She's very sad that thor didn't fall for her charms earlier that day uh the ringmaster's ranting it's like you've got no evidence that we did anything wrong and that's when thor cracks open the giant barbell to reveal thy government's own secret dual computer to be used for national defense so (laughs) that's that's the secret of the giant barbell that's how thor (laughs) threw his back out fake (laughs) thor threw his back out that's what they were that was the big crime uh, I just love this I love how insane this plot is That That yeah. is
3: the thing like they somehow Got This computer they, they stole it Yeah pre- And they got it to the circus where it sat For many days apparently While <laughs> fake Thor <laughs> While they tried to get fake Thor During the
1: act to put it on a truck yeah. Right. Um, right. So they, they
2: didn't tell him that they, they, Thor
1: had no idea what was going on. Otherwise, oh, no. he wouldn't he have tried in. to lift it. Right. No, I think he was in on it. I think he's the guy who he stole the computer in the first place. He must have. But what oh. are they
2: that? So the but the
3: thing is, is they got the they got the freaking computer yeah. from the place to the they, circus. They, yeah. Presumably like, on a truck. Right. You know, um,
1: and then they he, encased it in a barbell. For, For reasons like this, yeah. this you is know where what? It's so insane, I love it. We're thinking way too hard about this. The, just, just take comfort in the fact that evil was defeated. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just a real
2: like Ocean's Eleven story, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The things happened. It doesn't quite matter like when. You
1: think, you think the ringmaster is just going to steal a computer? Guy, come <laughs> on, this guy's got a sense of drama and style. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he's going back to jail. Uh, the cops lead the circus of crime away in handcuffs while Thor delivers a patented Stanley Lee soliloquy. Mayhap the day will come when men think of truth, of right, of love for all their fellows. I pray that it will come soon, for not till then will humanity fulfill its promise. Nay, not till then. Will man and God be one? So again, like slam dunk, boom, we're done. Um, (laughs) So guys, I think I know at least one of these is going to be a very easy choice for me. But if we had a buck to spend on comics in December '69, if we'd already bought the four issues that we talked about with Douglas Wolk last week, which were Amazing Spider-Man '82, Avengers '73, Silver Surfer '13, and X-Men '65, we'd have forty cents left over. The cover price is fifteen cents. Uh, so you can get two comics with a dime left over. Uh, Rob, which ones will it be for you? Uh,
3: well, one it would be this Thor issue because if if the Circus of Crime shows up, I'm I'm down. I don't care how <laughs> dumb the result is; it's fine. Um, it just makes me giggle all the time. And <laughs> and out of the you know the hypnotism tropes we have, Ringmaster's been around. You know he's it's not just a new hypnotist on the block, you know, he's, he's <laughs> right. He's well-worn. Yeah. Um. So Thor. And then I would say Hulk. I loved. Um, wow, really? Yeah. For me, the, something about just the bizarre, it started out like such a dumb Armageddon movie and him showing up. It just, there were, again, it was more about it amusing me than, uh, <laughs> but also there were some just Herb Trimpey was back and doing some, sweet uh, fighting on rockets that are plummeting and exploding on the earth's surface. <laughs> it's just like that, that Hulk level of stuff that's happening. Um, but yeah, it was i I don't know why I just kind of liked the app aftermath of the wedding not happening. And then, mm. and i am really starting to enjoy starting with Hulk sort of baffled and then getting angry at inanimate objects. Like that's, <laughs> that's, a, fun. that's yeah. the new like Hulk smash shed Hulk smash barrels. Hulk
1: smash car. Uh, so, Jamie, what about you? Is is Thor on your list?
2: Yes, Thor is absolutely absolutely on my list. It's just too much fun. There's just so much going on. Some of it's ludicrous. Some of it's great. Like, there's some nice little character moments too. Between like whenever two people are talking, it's like actually pretty interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: uh, even the what's her name the the lady Princess um, Python Princess Python. Like a lot of characterization in very few panels. And I always love that. I think that's a very cool thing. Yeah. The other one I would go with is, I mean, maybe it's biased, but um, is that Submariner issue? <laughs> just... You worked
1: so hard on describing <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Just for the linguistic channel challenge, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. It just, it seems like the culmination, you know, of a, of a lot of storytelling that didn't happen on the page necessarily, but like bringing three villains together. There's a new villain. It, it ends on a cliffhanger, which I like. I like the, um, Serialized more than the episodic
1: yeah. format, mm-hmm. and there
2: wasn't a lot of serialization in these.
1: Yeah, still um, trying to do the uh, the one and done. They're still sticking with that theory. Yeah. yeah
2: but- so yeah, I'll take I'll take the ending with the hero on, on his knees.
1: Yeah, for sure. How about um, you? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely Thor. No questions. Um, it was the most fun I had uh, this month of comics. Um Also, I love Bill Everett inking Kirby. Um, And this is like Bill Everett clean and sober. Um, He's doing some of the best work of his career. The last time we saw the Circus of Crime in a Thor comic, Vince Coletta was inking it and just leaving a ton of detail out. And this time you just know that everything that was in Kirby's pencils went up on that page, which is so great. Mm.
3: Yeah, it's also he's like a combo of... Like somewhere between Coletta and Joe Sinnott, like mm-hmm. there's there's some delicate line work or varying things, but most things are pretty solidly defined. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He he really comes from that that you know 1940s like like a, a Prince Valiant style, uh, or actually Buck Rogers is probably way closer. But um, and so uh, so yeah, definitely that, and then. Um, I am going to go with uh, Iron Man, uh, that issue as crazy as it was in some ways, um, and as slapped together as some of it felt. Um, I really do think that Archie Goodwin is doing the best job of straddling the mandate to do a self-contained story every issue, but also... Putting enough hooks in there to make it feel like part of a bigger story, um, mm. so mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, even I if like you, that. Yeah, if you hadn't read anything else, you'd still get a, a very complete story in this issue. But if you have read the other stuff, it feels a little bit bigger. So
2: you uh, know what's cool about that we didn't talk about was like vengeance Tony in the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that like I wish that that had lasted longer. Like to see yeah. a an, a very angry uh, out, for, out for justice Tony Stark is cool because like that's how Daredevil was kind of for a bit, but then yep. like, back off that.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. kind of yeah. the uh, and and with Tony Stark it can be. I mean, it, it wouldn't happen in '69, but that sort of cautionary tale of you know uh, emotion and whatever that be anger, or whatever, and having power like that. Yeah, and, right, know, right with, with an arms dealer. Yeah. So, it's yeah, a, yeah, that could be very Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, well, that is an excellent transition for the next thing uh, that I wanted to mention. So talking of Tony Stark, talking of um, power corrupting, uh, we got some listener mail from uh, a listener named Jonathan Dietrich. And the subject line was Iron Man was a villain. Um, <laughs> so instantly my ears perked up. Uh, And he writes, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, partly because I suspect many people will write to tell you the same thing. And partly because I am sorry that any of us are going to be forced to remember the Avengers event from the late 90s called The Crossing. (laughs) During this crossover, numerous important characters were killed, like fan favorite, that's very ironic, uh, (laughs) fan fan favorite Eternal Gilgamesh. Uh, all right. the, uh, the forgotten one <laughs> <laughs> uh, The female yellow jacket Rita Damara Who I actually really did like as a character um, And uh, perhaps the most beloved of all Crystal's daughter's nanny Marilla <laughs> uh, And the murderer's identity was a mystery Turns out it was Tony Stark Who had been a villain for years Turned by Kang and his consort Mantis The only way to defeat bad Tony was to go back in time to pluck a young Tony from the time stream so he could murder his future self, saving the world and no doubt placing young Tony in therapy for the rest of his life. (laughs) Of course, this isn't exactly what you were discussing on your show, which was a a world where Tony was a villain because he's basically an asshole who only cares about himself (laughs) and his turn came through organic character development rather than him being corrupted and brainwashed by Kang, but I thought I'd clue you in. Yes. Thank you very much yeah. I, I had no knowledge of uh, That Avenger storyline I was not reading Marvel comics in the very late 90s uh, and it was Brian Michael Bendis brought me back Like that's mm. how I got back into Marvel comics um, Yeah I and- think
3: we both ejected to You know like I had I had Long been on Vertigo and other uh, Really just getting more And more adult and Not mainstream I yes. guess Yeah
2: um, I uh, at some point owned I don't know if I still did still do but I own the first issue of the crossing because of its holographic cover or like (laughs) I was like
3: "Ooh, gimmick yes please that said I may have it too in the basement (laughs) um, because of my brother and dad's parts of the collection
1: I'm so glad we got away from this whole idea that you know just a ridiculous cover is what's going to wind up you know selling comics like uh, I'm glad the industry has matured past cover gimmicks that's uh <laughs> you know, we're fine we're fine the <laughs> comics know, industry's fine it's fine it's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh email us at marvel uh marvel by the at with your memories of terrible 90s marvel storylines maybe we will read some of them on the show um that is all for this week uh thank you so much for listening you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash marvel by the month you can leave a five-star review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to us and email a screenshot of it to marvel by at gmail.com with your mailing address for some free stuff Instagram is our main social channel. You can find us there at Marvel by the month. I should also mention, I have been like dipping my toe back into Twitter a little bit. So uh, Marvel BTM is our Twitter handle. If you want to find us on there, Uh, Jamie's on there a lot more than I am. Maybe I'm just going to turn that over to Jamie and let him deal with that. um.
2: (laughs) I I always feel weird when I interact with our own Twitter page. (laughs) like (laughs) Like turning the camera on myself with a camera.
1: <laughs> it's just <laughs> recursive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Marvel by has links to our other social channels as well as our shop. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. We're like 140 episodes into this thing and still going strong, and you are all are a big part of that. Yeah, uh, and, when,
2: and when people like write stuff and, and comment, we like it like lights up our Slack channel. Like we get real real excited. Like you probably don't even realize how excited we get <laughs> when yeah. stuff like that happens. So please please reach out. We, we love just, it
1: sad lonely man this is this is our only joy (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh hey uh thanks for listening my name is brian stratton
2: mine is rob Milne, and i'm
1: jamie langer and we'll see you next week for next time What Orca looks like, real quick. Ooh, so, that's Definitely. my next step. Uh, okay, sorry step. about yeah. that. I just no stepped on your line.
2: No, that's what you're here for. Um.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's that's not the sick podcast. Burn. <laughs> <laughs>